Hebrews chapter 13, if you have your Bibles. And I think uh, many of us this morning feel refreshed uh, because of the extra hour, right? You say amen? Man, we're in here, we're refreshed, you know, we're, we're awake and uh, we're looking forward to all that God's going to do. And um, this ch- time change is, some, is something interesting and um, I think it's a great uh, segue into what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Um, we all had time to prepare for this because as whether you watch the news or social media uh, or even here at Prayer Central, I know Pastor Dan reminded everyone, hey, don't forget to, to adjust your clocks. Uh, so we got fair warning uh, for this time change. We got fair warning. So uh, we were all prepared. And, and I know in the day and age we live in with our phones, uh, there's not much you have to do. It does it automatically. But you have, if you have clocks there in your home, uh, you have to adjust that. Uh, thinking back, I know that uh, there was uh, years back, I was really early to church one year. How many have been really early somewhere because of the time change? You didn't get the memo and you just were, man, I'm early. Everyone else is late. I'm doing good. But the time changed. That happened to me before. Uh, but we all got fair warning of the change uh, that was going to transpire. So we were able to prepare ourselves. We were able to adjust our clocks. We were able to get ready uh, for, for what was coming. And here we are today uh, looking great and, and just energetic because of that hour of sleep. And there's a scripture here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. And uh, it was spoken about uh, here in the worship um, Hebrews 13, 8, the Bible says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's good news this morning, isn't it? It's great news because we know that God loves us. And, and, and no matter what we do, no matter where we go, uh, whatever decisions we make, good or bad, God's always going to love us. He's going to love us. His word is unchanging. The promises that he has for us are yea and amen. God's word is constant, and it's unchanging in an ever-changing world. Isn't that right? But everything else in this world is changing. Everything else, trends, clothing, uh, uh, the, the value of a dollar, you know, the, the, the direction that society is going in, the things that, that they call right uh, and wrong, all that is subject to change each and every day, each and every year. But thank you, Jesus. In Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, we take comfort in that. But when change happens, many times we're not ready. We were ready for the, the, the time change because we got the announcement, but many other things we're not, we're not ready for. Imagine if the Holy Spirit, if you would just indulge me for a minute, the Holy Spirit gave you the warning that you needed for whatever trial that you were going to face and you were going to go through. See, when there's a time change, we, got, we saw it on social media, we heard it on the news, we heard it here at church. Get ready for the time change. So we were all ready, no problem. But imagine if the Holy Spirit was able to just give us warning. Sister Amy, this is an alert. This is the Holy Spirit. Uh, tomorrow you're going to be laid off from your job, so get ready. <laughs> Brother Johnny, they're going to demote you at your job, so get ready. Sister so-and-so, uh, tomorrow your heart's going to be broken, so get ready. Get on your knees. Make sure you get up 
Tomorrow morning and pray because you're going to need it. Fair warning. Brother, you're going to get cut off in traffic, so, so get yourself ready. You know, don't, don't say any words you're not supposed to say. It's going to happen at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, so get ready. Imagine if the Holy Spirit gave us the warnings. I think we'd be able to deal with things a lot better. We'd be able to deal with things, these trials, these things that, that, that just catch us off guard out of left field. We're shell-shocked because we weren't expecting it. Perhaps it was uh, related to a relationship. Perhaps it was related to your, to your job or, or, or your career or many other things. Many times these changes that we face, we're not ready for. We take comfort in the passage that we just read in Hebrews 13a because it's a blessing to know that God's love is unending and unchanging in our lives. But aside from that, in this world, things will always be changing. One said uh, that the only thing constant is change. So I want to minister a message entitled, Blessings in Change. The Blessings in Change. And if we have our Bibles, Matthew chapter 1, verse, uh, the passage is 18 through 25. Now we're going to look at a few people here in the Word of God that experience change in their lives and see how they dealt with it and things that we can glean from and we can learn from when it comes to change. Perhaps this morning you're in the state of change in your life. Perhaps you woke up this morning and you got news that you just weren't ready for. And you're just having to deal with it and you're here in the house of God or perhaps you're watching online and, and there's just so much inner turmoil going on. You're wondering what's going to happen. What's God doing? Why am I in this place? See, when we go through changes, many times it causes us to ask, why me? Why me, God? Why am I going through this? Why me, Lord? Who, you know, who, who am I? Why are you causing me to go through this? And there's a story here in the Bible, or an activity story with Joseph. Joseph, Mary and Joseph. Now get the picture here as we're looking in, in the, the beginning of the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1. Here was Joseph and Mary all said uh, to, to, to be married very soon. You had Joseph and you had his fiance, Mary. And for those in this place that have, have been married, you understand all that's involved when it comes to, to, to the actual wedding, right? All the preparation that is involved in getting married. The invitations had been sent. Joseph and Mary, they, sent, they, they maybe had their guest list all set, and they invited people to come to their wedding. They were looking forward to it. The guest list was made. They discussed their living arrangement. Maybe uh, Joseph was, was perhaps working as hard as he can to save up as much money so that he can... He could, be, he could bless Mary when it, was, when it was her wedding day so they could have their living arrangement all discussed and planned. Her dress was picked out. Mary was looking forward to it. His tuxedo was secured. And in all things in their lives, they were preparing for this beautiful day of marriage between the two of them. With all their hearts, they loved each other. They were in love. But then something took place that threw a wrench in all of these plans. Something profound took place, which is a reason why you and I are all here today. It's a salvation story. It's a, it's a birth of Jesus Christ, our Messiah our, uh, our Messiah, our Savior. But when it all transpired, it was a monkey wrench in their plans. They had everything planned out, but things from one day to the next took a turn. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. 
But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, she got this revelation. But Joseph, the the angel didn't come and tell Joseph. He told Mary. So imagine what Joseph felt in this moment when he found out. Verse 19, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. What a righteous man Joseph was, right? The temptations that may may have been in his heart and his mind to do other things, to to maybe just speak his mind to her and to just just put her away and maybe just to out her for this disgraceful thing that maybe he saw for what it was. In verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to make Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Thank you, Jesus. When Joseph woke up, he did, as a, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. This was key. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So this was the method that God was going to bring salvation into the world, that God designed from ages past, through prophecy, through scriptures, this was, this was God's design. But did God consider Joseph? Did God consider his feelings? We're all blessed today because of this miracle. We're all blessed today because of, of salvation, because of God's perfect plan. But, but where was Joseph left? Shell-shocked. Goodness, what is going on? My fiance is pregnant. What is society going to say about this situation? What am I to do as a man? Did God consider Joseph in all this from from ages back when he designed this plan? See, Joseph, I'm sure, was left feeling like, God, why me? And many times that's how we feel when God's doing something. Yes, even the work of God, we may feel, God, why me? But what did God know about Joseph? We get a glimpse here in the Word of God. The Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man, he was a good man. See, many times the trials and tests that we face, it'll bring to surface what we're made of. Amen. It's easy to say that, that you respect your wife, you respect people, you respect, you know, you, you have a high level of respect for others, you love your neighbor, but what happens when you're tested? How do we act? See, God knew, he created Joseph and he knew that he was a righteous man. And it's powerful because his character is described here. It says, Joseph, her fiance, in verse 19, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He was a good man. He was a righteous man. And God knew this, and God saw him him faithful. So in this moment, in this time of change, God knew he was a righteous man. God's plan was instituted and was taking place. And in the midst of change, you and I have two choices to make, just like Joseph here, to stand or to fold, to stand on the promises of God, to stand on the word of God and to obey God's word, or to fold and to disobey and to flee. 
It's two choices. Perhaps you're in this place this morning and you're facing change and you're in a place in the midst of change in your heart, inner turmoil. Things are going on that no one can see, but you know and God knows. What are you going to do? You're going to stand on the word of God. I encourage you to stand on the word of God. We have to stand on God's promises, on his word. So God's plan can be fulfilled just as Joseph here was in a place of testing and trial and a decision. He had a decision to make. And because he decided to obey God, God's plan was able to continue to unfold. And now we know that Joseph was the man that while here on earth was called to raise the Messiah up, to, to rear him up, to teach him how to be a man. See, Jesus, he wasn't always, you know, he, an adult. He was a child. He went through adolescent years. He was a teenager at one time. So who was going to be there to teach him the things of God, to, to, to lead him in the right way? God saw Joseph. And at first, it wasn't an easy decision. At first, Joseph was wondering, what in the heck is going on here? But he stood and he obeyed. He obeyed the word that came to him. And he was counted faithful to raise up our very Messiah, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So you ask, God, why me? The answer is because he sees you and he knows what he created you for. He knows that he could give you the strength to get through that situation. He knows that he's working out something beautiful and perfect in your life. If you and I would just stand and we would be faithful, we're going to be able to see it come to fruition. Can you say amen? amen. You got to stick around. It's going to get beautiful. It's going to become amazing. It may not seem that way right now, but stick around. I guarantee it as you stand on the word of God, it's going to all work out for the good for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So Joseph asked how... Why me? Many times we ask, why me? Secondly, when change comes, it brings us to a place of decision that tests our obedience. And the key word here is obedience. When change takes place in our life or our obedience is tested, what are we going to do? So here in this next passage, as we look into the Word of God, the Word of God is filled with so many things that we can learn about, so many great stories that we could learn from. And here was the early church, as we read about in the book of Acts. As we know, Jesus' ministry, was, it was three short years. He did a lot in, in that time, and he trained his disciples. So he died for us. He died on the cross. He rose, and he ascended, and he went to heaven. Now, now it was up to the disciples to take the baton and to, to establish the church and to, to continue to, to share the word of God and preach the gospel throughout the world as the Great Commission commands them and commands us as well. Then we read that there about uh, the great day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, which many were baptized and saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're getting a glimpse of the early church in Acts chapter 1 and, and, and chapter 2. And God was moving. God was doing something amazing. Jesus, yes, physically he was no longer here, but, but God gave the church the Holy Spirit, gave all of us the Holy Spirit, the comforter. And God was doing great things. Many were being saved. The disciples were, yes, they were carrying the baton and moving forward. And one of the pillars in the early church was Peter, the disciple, Simon Peter. He had an important role in the New Testament church, and God used him powerfully in Acts chapter 2. And when we think about Peter and we think about his role in, in the New Testament church, in the early days of the church, it's, it's understandable somewhat. We understand how that can transpire because, one, he walked with Jesus. He was a disciple, so he, he knew Jesus personally here on earth. 
So of course, here was Peter. He should, he should be a pillar in the house of God, one of the, you know, in the, in the early church. So that was understandable. And although that's understandable, we understand there's a lot of grace when it comes to Peter because uh, he, denied, he denied Jesus, right? He denied not, not once, but three times. He was a man of passion. He Remember, he cut the, the guard's ear off. So, you know, again, there's God's grace to continue to use him. He, he was sometimes filled with unbelief. Remember, he walked on the water for a moment, and then he began to sink, and Jesus asked him, where's your, where's your faith? So Peter was human in all things and all ways, but God still, through grace, continued to use him in the New Testament church in the early days. So it's understandable. He walked with Jesus and all these things. But God, many times, he goes beyond our understanding. Can you say amen? We're talking about change today. There are things that we look out, perhaps it's even, it's, it's, it's in the church or it's in ministry or at your job, and things make sense. Like, okay, that person makes sense, this person makes sense, this situation makes sense because that's the way it was progressing, right? Those, those things are understandable, but how many know that God moves in ways that are not understandable to us, right? Things that, that as believers, as people of faith, they even surprise us, like, goodness, God, what are you doing? We know you're doing something, we know you're doing something good, but, but God, I didn't see this coming at all. God's plan for the church and its progress was about to change, to bring a major change in the church world here in the early church. It was going to be impacted in a major way that no one saw coming. It was unforeseen. A new person that God was throwing into the mix of the early church, a new player, a new ally who was about to enter the stage. The change that they were going to experience was going to be great, and it was going to rock the church world, as it were. Now let's read about this person, okay? We talked about Peter and many other faithful people in the Word of God, but let's look at, at, as this person enters the scene in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. The Bible says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Stephen was a righteous man of God, doing the work of God, and he was, he was arrested and he was killed because of the gospel. And the Bible says in Acts 8, 1, that Saul... He was a witness, and he completely agreed with the killing of this man of God. And the Bible goes on to say, A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the entire church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. This was a tumultuous time that the church was entering into. And who's at the center of it all? This person that we could call the, the enemy of Christianity in this time was Saul. He was an enemy. He was persecuting the church. He was all about just, 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 just hindering the church and, and just coming against it. And as we fast forward, we understand in the, in the word of God who Paul was. Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, that he was an amazing man of God in the Bible. He wrote about half of the books in the New Testament. But we have to remember where he came from. And then in Acts 9.1, the Bible says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to, eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. And then the story goes on to say, and we, we understand the story and we've heard it, that the Lord revealed himself to, to Saul, knocked him off his high horse, right, right, revealed himself to him. And then Paul looked up and said, Lord, who are you? He says, I am Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. So as time transpired, Paul, Saul, was blinded 
And he was taken away, and then the people that were with him, the Bible says, they, they heard a voice, but they didn't see anything that was going on. This was a revelation that was taking place with Saul, who was to become Paul. Now, something powerful transpired here after this, and I want to look at uh, that as we read God's word here in Acts 9, verse 10. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a, in a vision, calling, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision and a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Remember, Saul was blinded at this moment. Now listen in verse 13 what Ananias says. But Lord, isn't that what we do many times when God gives us the word? But Lord! But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I heard many people talk about this, the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. So here is Ananias giving God counsel, right? Educating God, edu educating the Lord. Oh, didn't you know? Did you forget? So in verse 15, but the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to, people, as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So there was the word of God. Verse 17, so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and immediately began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Such a powerful story here of Saul's conversion into Paul. A powerful story of salvation and grace of God's sovereign plan. God's sovereign plan that we may not always understand when it's unfolding. See, our view is many times influenced by the past. Can you say amen? When it comes to people, right? Maybe God is, is, is raising people up, right? Maybe God is doing something new and, and we see people and what do we think about? Oh, I remember how they were. I remember their past. Aren't you grateful that God's not like that? And he's all-knowing. He knows everything. But our past is washed away under the blood of Jesus. Amen. And God is doing a new thing. He sees our future. He sees our potential. He, says, he sees where he wants you to be. See, we see where we came from and our hang-ups and our failures and all these things that, that we go through. But God sees our potential and where he wants us to be and what he created us for. And this truth is described here in this passage. See, God sees your future, and he's always at work. Many others may see your past. They may even remind you of your past. And how many know the devil indeed reminds us of our past? He's trying to sit on our, our shoulder and just, just remind us who we are and those failures that we did and, and all the things that, 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 that we're not. See, Ananias here in this passage, he had a decision to make here. And perhaps his obedience in this moment was instrumental in the future, the very future of the church. God called Ananias to do something here that was out of his comfort zone. 
God called him Ananias. See, Ananias was part of the story of, of, of Saul's conversion. And Paul went on to do many great things, powerful things, written, again, over half the New Testament. Powerful man of God. But let's not forget who prayed for him in the beginning because of obedience to the word of God. It was Ananias. See, Ananias had a powerful role in Paul's story. And at that moment, when in his mind he was looking at, at Saul of Tarsus and his past and how he was ordained by the priest to just, just wreak havoc in the church world. But at that moment, he had a decision to make. Obey or disobey. Do I obey God's word? I'm fearful of what may happen to me if I go meet this man because I know what they've talked about, Saul of Tarsus. I know who he is. God's telling me to go pray for him, but, but, but maybe it's just me speaking to myself or maybe it's just feelings or, 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 you know, it took an element of faith for Ananias to do this. See, change brings us to a place of decision that tests our obedience. Are we going to obey or disobey? And this truth of obeying God's word, it cuts through our facades, right? It cuts through so many things. It cuts through our outward appearance, our reputation. It cuts through so many things. Are we going to obey or disobey? That's the true test right there. See, our actions are an outward appearance of where our heart is. The Bible says, we know the scripture in Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will be also. So you may be going through turmoil this morning. You may be struggling with something, but God's word for you is a promise to get you to where he wants you to be, to get me where he wants me to be. And what's tied into that? It's obedience. We have to obey the word of God. And as we do that, even if it doesn't feel good, and many times it doesn't feel good, if we don't understand it, we don't understand what God's doing many times, we, we understand the word of God where he tells us to obey, to obey his word. And in that, we're able to step into blessing. Thank you, Jesus. See, when change happens, our obedience is tested. Our first result, our first instinct is to run, is to put things back the way they need to be as we see it. But we have to obey. And that's a place, that's a decision we all have to make. Are we going to obey or disobey, disobey during these times? Also, when change happens, we have to stay close to God. You have to stay close to God. You've got to stay at the feet of Jesus when change is, is happening. When you're in turmoil, when things are going on in your life, stay at the feet of Jesus. The things that you've been taught, don't stray away from those things. You have to stay close, especially at those times. I mean, all the time we have to. But when we're going through those trials or those struggles, when our faith is tested, you have to keep coming to church. You've got to be faithful to church. You've got to be faithful to prayer. You've got to be faithful to, to reading your word, studying your word. You've got to be faithful to godly fellowship. Those godly people that God has placed around us to encourage us, to speak the word of God to us, to, to help us take another step forward. Amen. The devil's strategy during those times is to isolate us, to get us off by ourselves, so that he could talk to us, so that he could speak things into our life. See, when we're not in church, when we're not listening to the word of God, there's other voices. The Bible says there are many voices in the air. The enemy would love to just isolate you. 
And isn't that the way we feel, right? When we're going through it, man, I just, need, I just want to be alone. And I understand there's sometimes we need, we need some alone time, but that's, that's time that never should be away from God. It should be a time to get closer to God. The devil's strategy, again, I'll say it, is to isolate us when we're going through trials, when we're going through change. When change happens, we have to keep them close. There's a story in Luke chapter 8 about the, about the man who was demonically possessed, the man of the Gadareans. And in Luke chapter 8, the whole passage is verse 26 through 30, 39. When you have time, you could read that. But we, again, many of us know the story. Jesus came here on the Sea of Galilee. He was coming with his disciples, and there's, there was this region, the Gadarenes, and there was this, this man who was demon-possessed by legion. And as Jesus here stepped onto the shore, he was met by this man. As Jesus stepped onto the scene in this man's world, he entered this man's world, and we know that when God enters the atmosphere, when God enters the environment, that things are going to change. Can you say amen? When God shows up on the scene, when, things, when, when God shows up, things are bound to change. So we see this story. This man who you're here, it says for a long time he had been, been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside of town. In verse 28, as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. This was the, the demons that were talking to Jesus. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. And then the story goes on. Jesus asks him, what's your name? They say, we're legion, for we are many. And they ask Jesus, please send us into the, this, this herd of swine so that we, we won't be tormented, so we'll have somewhere to go. So Jesus permitted them, says he gave them permission in verse 32. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. They drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled into the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. Verse 35, people rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man, listen to this, who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. That's what I see when I look out here into the sanctuary, right? People beautifully clothed. You smell good. You got a smile on at one time before Christ. You were perhaps out there in the world. You were wrecking havoc out there in the world. You were, you were doing what you could to sin as much as you could. But here you are this morning sitting at Jesus' feet. Thank you, Jesus, fully clothed and perfectly sane. You're not crazy anymore. Thank you, Jesus. And when people looked, they were all afraid. Didn't your family say, my goodness, who are you? Man, God's doing something great. You're changed. You're different. God is doing something great. That's your testimony. So in this story, if we dig a little deeper in this story, what is most surprising in this story, I can say, is, is and this is full of grace, is not that the man was delivered 
from demonic bondage. Because as I said in the beginning, when God shows up, things are going to change. Good things are going to happen. When God shows up, deliverance is going to take place. And this was a beautiful story, a powerful story, an amazing story. And this man was now in his right mind. But this is not the only revelation that we should get from this, this passage because there's something else here hidden in the scriptures that I want to look at for just a moment. And this is what it was. And we're talking about change and God doing changes in our life and, and allowing change to take place. Look what happens as we look there in verse 36. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Now listen to this in verse 37. Here's what I want to look at for a moment as we're talking about change. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. They begged Jesus, go away. Leave us alone. For a great wave of fear swept over them. Do they understand what just transpired? This, this, this powerful miracle, this man who was possessed by a demon, by legion. He was delivered, and, he, and he, the Bible says he was now sitting in his right mind there at the feet of Jesus. He was perfectly sane. He was delivered. This life was saved. Jesus came to save this life, and they saw it before their very eyes. They saw this miracle, but what was their response? And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. This story is so powerful in the deliverance that we read. But what is even more astonishing to me was the unbelief and was the reaction of, of, of society when Jesus came on the scene. He just came to, to heal humanity. He came to heal. He came to do good works. He came to save people. He saved this man right before their very eyes. But what was their response? It says they begged Jesus to go away. At our worst state, when Jesus shows up, we know things are going to change. We know that God's going to bring deliverance, that God's going to heal, that God's going to help us. And we all agree with this truth. But let it never be said about us, brother and sister, that when God brings change, that because the disruption in our life is so much that we're just asking and we're wishing that God, please stop, please stop, go away from me, Lord. I, I, I can't take it. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I can't take this change in my life. Just as society said, as these people said, they begged Jesus to go away. When this change is transpiring, God help us to stand fast to embrace him, and although the road is rocky, although it's rough, although our faith is being tested, we should pray that God stay, Lord God, stay around me, God, continue the good work that you're doing. I don't, I don't understand it right now, I don't, I, it doesn't feel good right now, God, but I know you're doing something great, so, so rather than saying, God, stop this thing, go away from me, embrace it. It doesn't feel good. And even situationally, it might not look good. Perhaps you're praying about certain things and, and, and you see many times, sometimes things could, could just get worse and it, it looks, the situation's getting worse. But we have to keep praying that the will of God would be done. You don't see what's going on behind the scenes. I don't see what's going on behind the scenes. God's doing something, doing something powerful. It's astonishing that the people said, 
Jesus, go away. Leave us alone. When God brings change, it's going to disrupt things. It shakes us out of our comfort zones, our apathy, our indifference. And rather than asking Jesus to go away, we have to embrace what God is doing. And let our prayer be, God, continue the good work that you've begun in me. And the Bible says that he's faithful to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? I guarantee you there's, 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 a, there's a happy ending here. There's good news at the end of your story if you would just stand fast, if you'd stand on the word of God. If you wouldn't flee, if you wouldn't disobey, if we would stand fast on what God's doing in his word, we're going to be able to see what God wants us to see and how he's going to accomplish that very work in our lives. Embrace what God is doing. Embrace it. And in this area, we need to trust. We need to trust God. It takes faith. Perhaps you're in a place this morning and you're experiencing change and it's taking you completely off guard. We have to stand fast. And I'll read our scripture as we read here in the beginning. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we believe this truth. We hold on to this truth. We stand on this truth. And we know that change will happen. Change takes place. Sometimes it, it doesn't feel good. We don't see it coming. Many times we don't see it coming. Most of the time we don't see it coming, but we have to stand fast. So as we recap change, as the worship team makes their way up, change causes us to ask, why me? As it did in the case of Joseph. But we see how the beautiful story was, was unraveled and how Joseph remained faithful and was that faithful husband to Mary and was the faithful father to Jesus to, to be counted worthy to raise him up here while he was here on earth. Change brings us to a place of decision that tests our obedience as it did with Ananias. Ananias who heard about Saul and all the horrible things he did, but God said, nevertheless, go, go pray for him. This is now Brother Paul to you. And he prayed for him and he had a big part to play in the conversion and the testimony story of Paul. And lastly, when change happens, we have to keep him close as the people of the region of the Gadareans should have done. Jesus, you healed this man. Lord, teach us your word. God, heal us of our sickness. Show us the truth of eternity. God, spend time with us. But they asked him to go away. We have to keep him close. So this morning, as we're reminded of all these things, when we enter times of change, as we look at God's word and we understand these stories that we just read, God will help us to stand fast to continue to be faithful as you have been doing. And God will be able to perform his work and finish the beautiful work that he started in your life. It's God's desire. He wants to finish that work. But we have to remain, we have to stand and allow him to finish that work. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you, Lord.